You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Maybe it's Miss Huxtable. Who is your favorite television mom? Maybe it's Lucille uh, Bluth. Who is your favorite television mom? All right. Introverts, good news, it's over. You made it. You did it once again. You passed the piece. Uh, you know, there, there is something really powerful um, about these television moms, right? Um, they're complicated, many of them, right? Mariah Rose from Schitt's Creek. I've never seen it. I just... <laughs> but I have to use the example because everyone else has seen it. We'll talk later. <laughs> Maura Rose from Schitt's Creek, whatever it might be. They're complicated. She's complicated from what I gather. But she is faithful. And uh, she is so complicated, you can't even pronounce her name. And I got to tell you that faithfulness is an important aspect of not only mothering, but also the Christian faith, isn't it? And it's actually one of the gifts of God. And we're in a series right now exploring the gifts of God. We've called this series, coincidentally, the gifts of God. And we oftentimes say the gifts of God for the people of God. And we all respond with, thanks be to God. And when Paul starts rattling off these fruits of the Spirit, in particular in Galatians 5, um, he's talking about the gifts of that we've been given to be able to embody the characteristics of who God is. And what's so powerful about the resurrection of Jesus is that God reveals God's own faithfulness to humanity by bestowing these gifts on humanity, not only for our own individual flourishing, no, but also for the flourishing of our community as well. We are caretakers in some ways of these gifts. And that's what's really powerful about that. That's why Paul lists off as faithfulness, as an important fruit that we are invited to embody. Now, faithfulness, let's be real with one another. It can feel like an abstract idea in a world that demands zero allegiance. For example, you might prefer Coca-Cola, And you might be a follower of the faith, if that's true. But when you go into a restaurant and you hear that they only serve Pepsi, you don't say no. You Or do you? You begrudgingly often say, fine, Pepsi, whatever, I'll drink it, fine. You might like Delta. You may have frequent flyer miles with Delta. But if you find a direct route at a cheaper rate you're going to fly with the cheaper, more direct route, unless you have a lot of frequent flyer miles, and then that might change things. We live in a world that caters to preference, 
and demands zero faithfulness, more often than not. And when it comes to our faith, it can often be no different. We're Christian until our preferences come along, and often in the form of financial gain or political power or the upper hand on our neighbor. Then we do all sorts of gymnastics to justify a particular reason to withhold faithfulness to Christ, faithfulness to people in the name of God. You know what I'm saying? Like we're really good at justifying historical slavery, aren't we? Uh, We're really good at justifying withholding aid and assistance to our neighbors in need. We're really good at justifying closing our borders, (laughs) aren't we? We're really good at justifying our lack of hospitality. And for Paul, he knows that faithfulness is hard, especially in a world of options, opinions, and preferences. And that is why it's a fruit. When the Holy Spirit is indwelling inside of you, you should grow in your fidelity to God's way. Hear me out. You can be faithful to God and be uncertain. Some of you need to hear that from a pastor today because you've questioned your faith for a long time because you've had doubts and questions. You can be faithful to God and yet have many questions and doubts. However, faithfulness, what it is, it demands that we set aside our preferences and opinions to act on behalf of Christ. That is why it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying here? It compels you to act for your neighbor. That is what faithfulness is. This is God's way, right? God is faithful, and faithfulness, it's a risk. God chooses humanity even when humanity doesn't choose God back. God acts on behalf of love for creation even when there are questions about whether or not creation, you and I, will respond accordingly in love. This is a template that we're to follow for faithfulness. This is a template for cultivating a loving community. You see, the faithfulness of God is a template, in other words, for our fruitfulness. If you want to be fruitful, if you want to see your community, your workplace be fruitful, if you want to change your boss's attitude in the workplace, maybe he's a curmudgeon or she's a curmudgeon, you embody the way of God's faithfulness. Why? Because the faithfulness of God is a template for our own fruitfulness. You want to transform your family? You want to transform the toxic, painful people in your life? Faithfulness of God is a template of fruitfulness. And the prophet Isaiah highlights this using imagery of a mother, coincidentally. This is what the prophet Isaiah says in 49.15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I, God, will not forget you. 
God is saying, you aren't just my preference. You are my purpose. You want to know what faithfulness looks like? What is your purpose when you encounter your neighbors? You want to see if you're actually faithful or not? How do you act when you see someone actively being oppressed? That is where God's faithfulness rests. That's the question that Paul is inviting us to consider today. In our reading today, Paul is writing actually from prison to his followers, to his person, Timothy, who is on mission at this point in Ephesus. This particular text is written roughly in 67 CE, and wouldn't you know it that these are some of the final words of Paul that we're about to read here. And it's absolutely incredible that he ends his life talking about the importance of faithfulness. We read in verse 11 where he says, the saying is sure. Now, probably this was a hymn that was passed around Christian communities in the early um, uh, 67, 65 CE time. The saying is sure. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. There is an immense cost to faithfulness, but within faithfulness, despite the cost, there is life, Paul is saying. If we are willing to set aside what we want to do in favor of what we're made to do, what we've been designed to do, what we're called to do, we will find life. We will find our purpose. So many people are like, man, what's my purpose? I don't know why I go to a southern accent. Man, what's my purpose? You will find your life here. This is why we get baptized. The baptismal waters are the death of our opinions and preferences. Our life before following the way of Jesus. Man, what's my purpose? Here it is. So that we can be rebirthed into a life dedicated to Jesus' way. This is why we engage in the sacrament of baptism. It's a symbol of new life with Christ. It's not about a moment. It's about the process of becoming. It's about what's being cultivated in you. You're growing in faithfulness. And how do I know it's a process of becoming? Look at verse 12, right under it. If we endure, if we engage in this process of becoming, if we engage in the process of faithfulness, we also reign with him. However, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Let's start with the front end of that. Faithfulness does not mean that it's easy to be faithful. There is nothing easy about faithfulness. It is a cognitive choice of pursuit. The same way that God chooses humanity over and over and over again in the Holy Scriptures, we too must endure. It's like encountering, um, hang with me, it's like encountering a two-dimensional object over and over again. And you can look at that two-dimensional object and say, yeah, that's this. That's, that's this two-dimensional object. But faithfulness is having a willingness to lift that two-dimensional object and to turn it and to see that that two-dimensional object is far greater, far more complex, 
lends itself to more questions, maybe even more doubt than you had considered before. Because the opposite of endurance, Paul says, is denial. The opposite of endurance is denial. It's seeing the 2D object and just being like, well, I can't believe in that. <laughs> I, can't, I can't consider that because what I'm just looking at, no, endurance is lifting the 2D object and turning it and realizing that it's actually three-dimensional, maybe even four-dimensional, and asking the questions, being willing to engage with the object in new ways so that you have new discoveries and new learnings about following the way of Christ. Now, this is for those of us that call ourselves Christians, okay? Denial is not a question, is not about questions or doubt. And I want to be very clear. You can be faithful and question even orthodox views of this faith. Denial is when you claim to be a follower of the faith, but your actions don't love God. Are you hearing me? Denial is when your actions don't love God, don't love your neighbor, and don't love yourself. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. This is the Shema. With all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And then there's a Leviticus code. He follows it with, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you deny the love of God? Do you deny the love of your neighbor? And do you deny the love of yourself? If so, you are not being faithful. You are denying who God is. Because verse 13 is very clear. If we are faithful, let's go to verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Do you embody that kind of faithfulness to your neighbor, to God, to yourself? Do you see the God in others? Or are you so caught up in your preferences, in your opinions? Are you so caught up in what you think is right and true? Do you approach a 2D object and you don't ask the questions, you don't turn it? Or are you willing to act? Here's what I think is true about faithfulness or the lack thereof faithfulness. Because we will deny. We, we do deny Christ all the time. And we experience the implications of that. And here's what I think is true. We are far more punished by our sins than for our sins. I think we're far more punished by our sins 
when we do deny Christ, when we do deny the Christ and our neighbor, when we don't take the opportunity to love and to create a loving community, uh, equitable circumstances, when we, when we pass over the, the idea of gun violence in our city and act like it doesn't exist, when, when we pass our neighbors on the street and they ask us simply for money and we pass them by without even looking at them, we experience the repercussions of our choices. We are far more punished by our sins, by not cultivating faithfulness and love for neighbor and love for God and love for ourselves, than we are for our sins. Are you with me on that? Because verse 13 is clear. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself, the imago Dei that's inside of you, the breath of God in Genesis, where we are Adam, we are uh, dust beings that God breathed into us. Look at what 1 John 4.12 says. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, what? God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. God is faithful. God is faithfulness. And the invitation from Paul is to embody that kind of faithfulness to our neighbors. And so I'm going to ask you today, where is God inviting you to be faithful today? Where have you missed an opportunity to be faithful to God's way? Where have you opted for preference, opinions, passions before the faithfulness of God? May God, reveal something new to you today. May God show God's faithfulness to you each and every day as you continue your journey toward faithfulness. And may you be healed so that you might be healers of others. In the name of the three and one. Amen. Will you join me in prayer?